Welcome to another epic episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we will learn how to become profitable as filmmakers. And guys, it will mean the world to me if you leave a five-star review and subscribe to this channel for more awesome content. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? It's been such a long time. I feel like our last live was back in March of 2022. Pumped to be doing this. The topic you guys already know, we're going to be talking about five-step plan to blow up your career in 2023. So I am, first of all, let's start with like, Happy New Year. And I really hope that your guys' year was, the beginning of your year was better than mine because... Some of you probably saw my story. I got COVID. I flew back from Chicago and, you know, travel around the holidays is always terrible. So I caught the bug again. And it's funny, like last year when I flew back from Chicago, I got COVID. So thanks for all the well wishes. Uh, so many of you sent me prayers. So love you. Thank you so much for that. Let's jump in. You know, we're going to talk about what can we do? Like I already mentioned, if you guys saw my recent YouTube video that I believe in New Year resolution, right? Like I believe in basically giving yourself a clean slate and starting over. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There's a lot of people that kind of just go, you know, toughen up, like always be strong and blah, 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 blah. And yes, all those things are good if you can do it. But if you just feel like, you know, that the time got away from you, uh, you want to do things, you know, but it didn't turn out how you wanted it you know, it's okay to feel like, okay, this is your, you know, time to redeem yourself uh, and give it another shot. Last year, my parents moved out here during that time when I stopped doing the lives or podcasts because too much was happening, right? Like they were staying with us and like we were just there for them. And, you know, it, it took so much time and energy and I don't regret it for a second because family first, but I had to change some of my plans, right? So one of the things had to go was like the lives because it takes time to prep it or, or hit up like people that we want to interview, uh, stuff like that. So it takes a lot of prep work and I don't have a specific producer for those things. So I'm doing basically doing it all. So I had to take a pause, but that's okay. And that's what I'm saying, right? So like when the new year came, I'm just like, you know what? I want to get back on that bandwagon. And then boom, I feel like I was dying. Like I, I like, I'm like, something is going on with me. I hope it's cold. And then I take the test and it was COVID and I'm like, okay, come on. Like, you know, I'm pumped. I want to start working out. I want to do all these things. And all of a sudden I get hit with this. So like, what am I going to do? So I give myself a day to kind of just cry about it and get it out of my system. And then I'm like, okay. I mean, I just took the test like 10 minutes ago and I'm still positive, but I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. These things are just part of life. What can we do about it? And I can tell you right now, guys, that just myself a year ago, me, would not have done this. I would have used it as a perfect excuse. And I'm not saying it's an excuse. I mean, I'm actually sick. But a year ago, me would have just like told myself and made myself believe that you're not capable of it, man. You're sick. You can't do this. Just, just you know, get some rest, watch some Netflix, and it's okay. You know, you got, you got my permission to do that. But today, you know, I made that change and I said no. Like a lot of like the things that we do in life are all stem from right here, okay? So we are in charge and we can control it. And obviously I'm not talking about people that actually have like clinical issues. That's different. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a 
medical professionals, so I don't know anything about that. But I'm saying what we can control, um, we actually can control. So let's just jump right in. The first thing that I want to talk about is don't lie to yourself. What I mean is that, you know, it starts with this, right? Like I'm having fun with my family, but I knew that, you know, on my calendar, I was going to do X, Y, and Z. And I just go, you know what? It can be done later. That's okay. I'll get it done. I've already, you know, I've always got it done, you know, so this time is going to be no different. It's okay. So that's that little white lie, you know, that I told myself and I said, it's okay. Like I'll get it done later. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but whatever. Like, I'm just like, you know, this is more important. A worst case scenario would be like where it would be something actually important. And like you told yourself that you're not going to skip it. You're going to do it. But just because you were in the habit of like telling yourself little, you know, white lies, then it leads to like, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, you, you make a new year resolution and the new year comes around and you just go, you know what? I got sick. I wanted to do it, but I can't control this. I think it's going to be okay. I'll just do it next week. And then that habit continues, right? So what happens is that when you lie to yourself, you kill your, you chip away at your self-esteem, right? So like you start telling your brain, you start sending these signals to your brain that you're a flaker. You can't be counted on, okay? And you start to build that as part of your personality. And that trickles through. So forget about how people can see that in you. It's you seeing it in yourself and believing what type of personality you have. And that is the ugliest type of personality. You want to run away from that, okay? So be authentic, be true to yourself. If you make a promise to yourself, Nobody else is watching you. I mean, if you guys believe in God, like you can say God is watching you, but I'm just saying like you have to hold yourself accountable and it's the promise to yourself and like how true are you going to be to that? Okay, so that is very important. That is number one, first step to like actually, you know, taking accountability and if you make a promise to yourself, stick with it. Number two, don't compare yourself to others and you guys already know the formula. I only like to talk about things that happened to me or I have done in the past and I've learned from it. And, you know, one of the things that I love about social media is that it cuts out the middleman, right? So that's a beautiful thing. Like back in the day, if you were a small mom and pop shop and if you wanted to blow up, you had to reach out to like newspaper outlets or media outlets like full on ABC, NBC, stuff like that and good luck, right? Unless you had some connections, some hookups, forget about it. Well, nowadays through social media, anybody like could have unlimited reach. I can just tweet, you know, Cardone and see like if he reads my tweet and he probably will and will reply back. So that world that we live in is absolutely insane. That said, one of the things I absolutely hate about social media is the constant comparison. Right. So that is something that I personally deal with. I'm just sharing my own experience. Like, you know, somebody from the outside could look at my life and be like, oh, this guy made it like he has a really blessed life. And I do believe that I have a very blessed life. But at the same time, I would be having the best time with my family, chilling. Everything got done. I'm on top of everything. And then all of a sudden I see a message or I see a, I see an Instagram post of one of my friends that are doing something bigger than me. And all of a sudden, it's just a weird trigger, right? Like I look at it and I go, what the hell? 
Like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. I should be working hard. I should be better doing in my head. I'm not saying it out loud, but I should be doing better than him, right? I got to be the best. I, I got to do more. I'm not doing enough. And that comparison is so unrealistic because everybody's circumstances are different, okay? Where we're born, where we're raised, to the opportunities that we're given, everybody's circumstances are different, okay? Like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, happened to be born in the right family, you know, going to Harvard and then becoming whoever he became. Don't quote me on it. Like it's either Harvard or MIT. But then he became who he became. It is Harvard. Now I just thought about like the, the social network movie. It is Harvard. So him becoming who he became, all those things just got aligned, okay? So somebody born and raised in Pakistan might not get the same, you know, opportunities. So that's all I'm saying. Like everybody's situation is going to be different. So then comparing yourself to like this open portal um, is a losing formula, right? So that I'm sharing something that I'm dealing with right now. I'm, I'm, I still struggle with it. And I just want to be authentic and true with you and tell you that that's something that I fight with um, and, and I work on it actively. I, I catch myself and I have a couple of people, including my wife, my brothers and my counselor to hold me accountable and kind of tell me, yo, like, you know, they, they check me. Right. And then I just go, OK, I did that again. All right. Good. And then once you have that pattern recognition, like you keep catching yourself, like seriously, the the growth is exponential, like how I used to do it, say two, three years ago, how much I used to compare myself. It was crippling to like now where it's almost like in the peripheral. Like it does happen sometimes, but I just go, hmm, okay, good for them. Like I'm actually happy for them because what happens is that when you compare yourself to yourself, you know, what were you doing last year to what's happening today? You're so much at peace because you're going to be making progress. If you're just a person that thrives to like learn new things and keeps moving forward, you're going to be making progress. So you're going to be better today than you were a year ago. And when that happens, you're at peace. So you're not like sad for anybody else's happiness. You're always going to be there to cheer them on and genuinely think like, God bless this person. I'm happy for them. Like, you know, there's plenty to go around, right? Like that's one of the things that I always share about my dad, like that all of a sudden like, hey, don't ever get, don't, don't ever compare yourself with your brothers. Don't ever have jealousy with your brothers. Like that was the message within the family. Love each other. There's plenty to go around. Share whatever you have with your brothers and you're going to be fine. And then that was the mindset we grew up with. We never had jealousy. We always pumped each other up. And then we spread the same message to the world. All three of us, like we do the same exact thing. So, you know, thanks to like my parents, like for giving us that information and then you know, I just feel like it's my obligation to kind of do the same, spread the same message for anybody out there that probably is not, you know, uh, aware of this information, right? Or maybe you've heard it, but it didn't really click and hopefully it clicks now. So guys, don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to yourself and look at like what you've done a year ago to like where you're at today. And it's just going to put so much peace in your head and it's going to keep moving you forward. Number three, here's how to build or rebuild self-esteem, okay? Because here's the thing, right? Small wins can help you so much because when it comes to like, if you're down and if things are not working out for yourself and, and especially people that are freelancers, what happens is like, 
with nine to five, the good or bad is like, the bad is like, okay, you have a cap. You know, you can't move past this. Like whatever that raise, you know, that, that salary is, like whatever that is, you can't go past that. There's a threshold. So that kind of sucks and takes the joy out of the game. But at least you're getting paid every other week. So the highs and lows are not too crazy. That said, with freelance, I mean, you could be a rock star, absolutely killing it. You could be like Brian, who's just working on the hottest shit possible. But there might be times, you know, when you get knocked down, like you don't get a call for a month and things are just bad and you're just going, what is going on? What just happened? Like, what did I do wrong? Right. And you start evaluating, you get inside your own head and your self-esteem just disappears. It's gone. Like it doesn't exist. So how can you rebuild it, right? Like we got to have like some tools like where we can just get in there and troubleshoot ourselves. So one of the things that I do is I look for small wins. Small wins could be as small as like fixing my schedule, right? Sometimes I'm off schedule because we're creative, right? Like sometimes most of us creatives, we're nocturnal beings, right? Like we come alive at night. It's like you know, no distractions, nothing. We can just focus on our craft. Oh my God, it's amazing. Have a cup of coffee at freaking midnight, stay up to like 9 a.m. and just live a great life. But the problem with that is that, you know, it just doesn't work with our DNA. You know, like most of us, especially me, what I learn is that I am a morning person. I love staying up at night, but I'm a morning person. Meaning like every time I get in that bad habit of staying up at night, like I am miserable throughout the day because I feel like I'm behind. I'm behind the ball all day long. And then as soon as I fix my routine, and routine is very important because in life, you want majority of your things that you do day in and day out to be in an autopilot mode. Just like when you're driving and you're having the the best eureka moments. Same thing with like when you're in the shower, you get your best eureka moments. Like those light bulb moments happen because you're doing something that is just second nature. You don't have to think about it. Routine is the same exact way. So like when you don't have a routine, every single day you're doing actual actual critical thinking. Like, you know, you just woke up today, you woke up at 12. Hmm, how should I start my day? Should I drink coffee or do I not need to drink coffee because I want to go to bed at a proper time? Then you wake up at 6 a.m. Hmm, I didn't drink coffee yesterday when I woke up at noon. Should I drink coffee right now? Like you're doing a lot of critical thinking and wasting like massive, massive brain power. Because if you've heard anything about like Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg that they wear the same uh, um, clothes every day because they don't even want to spend a single second thinking about first thing in the morning, what am I going to wear? I can't say the same about me. I love fashion. So like every day I'm going through my closet and I'm picking out like what's going to go with what? Like, okay, what kind of watch am I going to wear? Like, I mean, so that's that's my vice, right? Like maybe I should work on that. But those guys, they don't think for half a second, okay? They're just like, hey, this is the most important part of the day. I need to do, I need to change the world right now. We got to think about how we can change the world, not like which clothes we're going to wear. So what I'm saying is like routine is very important. So let's just say if you're down and out, things are not working out, focus on that one small thing, okay? I'm, I'm going to fix my routine. I'm going to start going to bed at 11.30. Let's start the night routine, right? Like I'm going to lay down, no phones by, I promise you, if you have no phones at 11.30 and you're in bed, you're just staring at the ceiling, by midnight, you're out, okay? So when you're out, if you're like me, six hours of sleep is plenty. I don't need an alarm, okay? If I go to sleep at midnight, I'm waking up at like 5.45 or 6 o'clock. Like, I don't need an alarm. It Maybe you do. You're, you're a deep sleeper. And if you do, set an alarm, wake up at 8 o'clock. 
okay? So like eight hours, 8 a.m., great. Do that for a week, for two weeks. Trust me, it's gonna sound miserable. I'm telling you because again, us creatives, like people that are nocturnal, like it is the worst thing. Do it for two weeks, all of a sudden you're gonna be like, oh my God, everything is gonna start getting in order, okay? So that is the first check to small wins. Number two, work out at least four days a week. Like I don't believe in people that just go cold turkey or they go, they take 180 because that never works out. Like I know so many people that just go from like not working out to working out seven days a week and they do it for two weeks and they say, this is the worst thing in the world. I never want to exercise in my life. F this, I'm out. So what we learned from that is that it never works. It's a failing formula. So what you need to do instead is this. I work out for four days a week because I can do that. Between my family, my parents now here, when I say my family, my son and my wife, you know, my other, my extended family, my parents, friends, business, and everything else, my own like time, four days a week is enough. I can't do more than that right now. So I have a coach that I said, these are the goals I want to achieve. I have four days for you. What can you do for me? Like load it up, son, load it up. Like if you want me to do two hours a day, I'm hitting the gym two hours a day. I'll figure it out, but I can only give you four days out of my, my week, okay? So then that's my thing. And then once I stick to that, another small win. So what's happening now is the reverse of the first thing. Remember the first step was don't lie to yourself because when you lie to yourself, you're sending a signal to your brain, you're not reliable. Well, now we're reversing that, right? We're building these small wins and we're telling our brain now that, hey man, listen, I can do this, like I can win. And when I commit to something, I stick with it. And here is a track record of like 21 days and I did these things. So what you got for me? And all of a sudden you're gonna start thinking big and all of a sudden big things are gonna start happening. And then all of a sudden you're gonna realize like, what changed? Maybe like, you know, I started praying again and all the good things are happening. If you believe in like God, like I do. But regardless, like it was that thing, that, that license you gave yourself that, hey man, I'm reliable, you can count on me and I'll get shit done. Okay, number four, fill up your calendar week in advance. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. That is very critical. Going back to that mindset of like Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs, like not picking their wardrobe and wearing the same exact thing every day in the morning. This is very important guys, because I'm telling you, like when you don't have things planned, when I personally don't have things planned, I don't care. Like I'll, I'll wake up at 2 p.m. even if I go to bed at midnight because I have no direction. I have no sense of direction. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. So like I'll wake up when I wake up because I make my own schedule. So that's the, that's the terrible thing about being your own boss that you have to be the disciplinarian. You have to be the motivator. You have to be the boss. You have to get yourself going regardless of what's going on. If the business is taking a dive, nosedive, if you know, you're know you fighting with your spouse, whatever is happening, you have to put all of that aside and you have to show up. And that's tough. And, and sometimes I envy those people that have nine to five where they're just told to show up here, do this and that, and then leave. Like at least they don't have to do a lot of critical thinking when it comes to that. So what I'm saying is like, if you wanna save yourself a lot of agony, uh, in that space, especially people that are freelancers listening to this, I highly recommend Sunday night, give yourself a few hours, 
plan out your entire week. And when I say plan out your entire week, I'm not saying every single second and every single hour. Uh, I'm just going to give you an example. Like, I would do this. I'll sit here and I'll go next week on Monday um, between 3 to 5 p.m., um, I want to work on my sales page for my uh, for my course. I want to I want to update it. Like you know, it it needs an update for a while. So I'm gonna work on that for two hours. Now the rest could be like client work, everything else that I got going on. But between three to five, that's what I'm doing. So that's one personal thing that's gonna move me forward, like my career forward in the direction I want it to go. Right? Tuesday, we're gonna spend three hours making two minute Tuesday video. Okay, let's just say it. that's what it is. I'm going to come up with a topic. I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to sit down, order my coffee, come up with a topic. I'm going to come home. I'm going to shoot the tutorial first. Then I'm going to do the talking head. I'm going to cut it all together. The whole process is going to take three to four hours. You know, that's what I'm doing on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I'm going to go live. So I'm going to wake up at 8 a.m. Again, go to Starbucks, come up with the topic, blah, 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 blah. Usually I prep those things ahead. I'm just giving you an example, like if you were to build something for yourself. But I usually stay week ahead of like all of, you know, my videos and everything like that. That's why my videos go up at 6 a.m. And my live, like I promote it on like Monday or sometimes Sunday because everything is already planned out. Once you get in the habit of that, you're going to become a complete junkie. Like, I mean, you, you would never want to come out of that because it's just such a sense of security that this warm blanket of like comfort that you get of just like, oh my God, like things are planned out. Like I don't have to be on the edge of my seat 24 seven because I live like that. I hate that. Like, I don't want to go back to that. So I'm telling you, it changes everything when you start filling up your calendar. Again, it doesn't need to be eight to 10 hours. It could be small little chunks you know, but once you start picking up on those wins again, like it's going to help with that self-esteem and everything. And that's why everything is in a sequential order, how I'm like spelling it out, because you have to build the self-esteem to then move on to like building your calendar, because now you understand accountability and all these things work right like this. Um, so that's what I would highly recommend. And then once you get in the rhythm, it's not going to take hours. Like now on Sundays, it's just bullet points. Like I'm, I'll just be watching a game and then between watching my games, I'll just go, hold on, all right, so like 15 minutes, right? Like 15 minute break and I'll just spell out my entire calendar um, for the week and then I'm good. Like I'll go back to like doing whatever I'm doing. Number five in the last step uh, is learn something new every day, okay? So why is learning important? Um, there's, I mean, there's a billion reasons why learning is so important, but one of the things that I wanna talk about is because it keeps you humble. Okay, um, you never want to get to a point where you just come off as like you're Mr. Know-it-all or Miss Know-it-all and like you just, you know, everything about everything, even if you do, right, which can be true. Um, but what I'm saying is like when you are always learning, you stay in the state of that student mindset and you stay nimble, Okay. And that is very important for people that are successful for a very long run. Because if you stop growing, if you stop learning, the problem that happens is that you stop catching on you know, to the new trends, like the new stuff that's happening. And what's gonna happen is that your information is gonna become that dinosaur information, right? Like you're just not staying up to date. Uh, if you guys watched my recent video that I dropped today, which was Game of Thrones versus um, House of the Dragon look, like you see like how we compare the two, right? 
if I am not keeping up with like the technology, if I'm not keeping up with like what's happening in the CG world and cinematography world and, you know, all the other stuff, like, you know, we used to grade in SDR and now things are in HDR. And how do they affect the final grade, the final concoction that we see? If I don't understand all of it, I can't talk about it. Even if I talk about it, I'm giving you wrong information, right? So that's why I have to constantly be, you know, in the student's chair and always be learning, right? And like I said, it keeps me humble because it makes me realize how little I know. I know nothing. Like, you know, the Socrates, right? Like one thing that I know, I know nothing. Like, I mean, that's just the, that's the whole mindset that you want to keep. And it's going to keep you grounded and um, you're going to keep blowing up. Right. It's going to do the opposite effect. You might think like, oh, man, I got to come up like, you know, big and, and show people that I know my shit. But it's actually the opposite. It's like when you're in that student mindset and constantly learning is when you're constantly blowing up because Eureka and light bulbs are happening all day, every day. And you're jumping on it and you're moving on those things. Right. And you're staying nimble. And that's what we're talking about here. So, guys, hopefully these were the five steps that I had for you. And. This sounds like a pretty good start. I actually thought that this this podcast is going to be or, or live is going to be way worse than what it ended up being. Like it, it was actually really good because I feel like I feel off of the energy and seeing people here, the comments just rolling through and I'm going to go through the comments and I'm going to look at some questions too, but it just feels really good to be back. Um, I want to keep doing these. I want you guys to DM me, give me some topic suggestions. What would you like to hear? What are some of the things you guys are dealing with? Um, that if you need some help and if I can talk about that topic or bring somebody that is much more knowledgeable than me in that topic, I would love to do that and have this dialogue going. This will eventually become a podcast in a week or two, so you can listen to it on um, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify. I don't know if we're on Audible. I'll ask my wife. But you know, you can just listen to, to it anywhere. Link is going to be in the um, bio of my page. And then also last thing that I want to say is that today is the last day to join FCM. Anybody who is interested, like right now I'm doing a 40% off or 400 bucks off. So if you are uh, looking to kind of get serious about color grading and, and be in the community, like where we're just like, we're very like targeted, right? Like, I mean, you like learning from YouTube and just online resources are great, but you can actually end up spending a lot more time. Whereas here, most of the time, like, you know, people will just DM me and they'll be like people that are in my course and they'll be like, Kazi, um, about to submit this. Can you look at it and let me know what you think? And then I can just watch it and tell, you know, give them my two cents. And then it makes a huge difference because I always paid for mentors to have that. And it gave me a crazy leg up over my competition. So that is something that is very valuable in this course. So if you're interested, link is going to be in the description right now or actually in the bio. You can click and join. Now I'm going to go through some of the questions. I'm super pumped. What degree do you have? So I went to school for a general filmmaking program. So it was a bachelor's in digital filmmaking. And it basically taught us, my wife and I did the, uh, both did the same program. My major was like in cinematography and minor in editing. So basically we still could, you know, choose focus, but most of it was just like teaching you everything. So we had a sound design class and we had a um, intro to graphics class and things like that. Right. So like, I mean, it just basically covered everything. And I felt like that was a great thing because it really helped us both understand which direction we wanted to go in. So my wife went into the producing role and then I 
uh, went with cinematography um, heavily. And then when I came to California, I just ended up editing way more and, and built like a very solid clientele through editing. So then I kind of ditched cinematography altogether because at the time it wasn't hot to be a jack of all trade. It was like, you have to pick a niche. And I feel like that will never change. Even like right now, like I had to make that strong call and like ditch editing and then stick with color grading because I feel like it will never change. Like if you have a niche, people will respect you differently. And it's just simple because you're spending so much time on one thing. So you're actually a master of that one thing compared to doing multiple things because it just takes time. I can be a colorist and spend my entire life learning about color grading, you know? So that's what I'm getting at, right? So like then think about it, like if you're doing three things, if I'm a cinematographer, editor, and colorist all at the same time and learning all those three, well, I'm not going to be as good as Tom Poole, you know, that is just a colorist and that's what he focuses on. He's also does cinematography too, but like his main bread and butter is color grading. So that's, you know, sort of like the thing. Uh, good question though. So somebody's asking, like, if I were to take this course, like, is there any guarantee that my stuff is going to start looking like Hollywood movies? I mean, the information is there. We do weekly competitions like where that's exactly what we're focusing on. Most of our challenges in that competition are like creating Hollywood and high end commercial looks. And then you guys create the looks to the best of your abilities. And then I come in or Nick, another very, very capable um, and qualified instructor that we have in FCM, we come in and then we give you our two cents to like what you can do to like get there, get get closer to that look or what are the mistakes that you're making and what you can do differently. So that is like a very different twist to this masterclass that you cannot get anywhere else because usually you just pay for the, the lessons and that's the end of that. Like people have like Discord and things like that, but we all know that, I mean, crickets, right? Like nothing is happening there. Our Facebook group is completely different because of this competition. And then what keeps people juiced to keep coming back and participate in the competition, one, obviously you're getting the one-on-one -on -one feedback, tailor-made feedback, but more importantly, you get up to six sixteen hundred $1,600 worth of prizes. So $1,600 USD worth of prizes like every three months. So that is a massive, massive motivation for people to keep coming back. And there are people that have won multiple challenges. So like, I mean, think about that, right? It's crazy. Somebody's saying like, you know, work on as many projects as you can, get your hands on cameras, get on the set and start working. I couldn't agree more with this advice because that was my main thing. Like when I got into cinematography, I want to try any and every camera. Like, dude, I'm paying $500 to rent an Alexa um, from a friend because I need to get my hands on it. I, I need to hit some buttons and like see what it does to understand what it is, okay? And then when I got into color grading, it was the same exact thing. I'm like, please, I will pay you to send me some footage that I can mess with and like try out like what's the big deal? Like what is, what does Alexa do differently than say my back in the day uh, Nikon D60, right? And then like I would just look at it and like go, oh my God, okay, I see the difference. Like this is kind of crazy, right? So I always, ne I never put a price on that uh, because the learning experience was like, just gave me such a head start. And I just couldn't agree more with that advice. Absolutely, guys. Like, I mean, that's the, that's the name of the game, right? Experience, experience, experience. Like nothing beats that. And that's why sometimes people get butthurt because they're just like, 
oh my God, I have more education than this person, but just because this person is older, like they have a higher title, whatever it is that they're doing, because they might not have the biggest degree or PhD or whatever, but they might have 15 years of experience on you and they're not the same. They're not the same. That, that's one of the things like, I have some family members that are just like, hey, can I, if I take your course, can I be like you? Can I just start doing what you do? I pray for you and I hope you can do better than me. Like you have more motivation than me and you blow up and you do better than me. But statistically, it's going to be very different if somebody who is in a completely different domain, don't do anything in filmmaking, picking up a color grading course, which is quite frankly, pretty technical. Like when our field is very technical compared to like, say, even, I mean, I'm not going to say the cinematography is not technical, but what I'm saying is like, you know, for me to just pick up a camera and point somewhere and shoot, that's not the same as Roger Deakins, but at least I can just shoot something and see it, right? Whereas with color grading, I give you log footage and I go, go, you're going to be like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? What is that? Like, you know, you're, you're just going to lose your shit, right? So they're not the same. And that's why I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, w I would recommend people to like, build that trajectory. Like if you want to be a colorist, if you want to be in this world, then I would say, don't take it lightly. Keep doing something in this world for a while and nothing beats experience. What's your dream project to do in the future? So personally, I love uh, grading music videos because I feel like they just give you so much freedom, so much freedom, right? Like, I mean, it's always like do the craziest stuff, just go nuts. Like, and they're always... They're always pushing you more than how far you want to go. And that's saying a lot because you guys know, like my style is like very out there. Like I try to push a lot. Like I, I try to like just, you know, break the footage almost and then pull it back. And I just feel like every time I work on music videos, I'm being like asked to push more. And that is just such an amazing thing because literally my brain, like neurons, like the new pathways are being built like I can just feel it when I'm working on those projects I'm like oh my god and then I'm bringing my wife in here and I'm like look at this and she's stoked and it's just an amazing experience compared to working on commercials that pay really well compared to music videos but it's all of his like can you make it look like what we saw on the set and it's just like why the hell did you hire me man <laughs> like why am I here if you want to make it look like what you saw on the set I mean, obviously, like, hopefully none of my commercial uh, creative directors are watching this right now because I'm not saying, like, I'm complaining. I'm just saying it's a different mindset. Color grading music videos is a lot more fun. Hey, so apparently I have five supporters. Guys, I'm, I'm like a grandpa when it comes to social media and badges. I still don't understand how badges work. But there were five supporters, and I want to thank you guys for purchasing the badges. I, I This is so embarrassing. I need to learn more about that, but I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Another great advice, work at your local camera houses, uh, grip shops. This is amazing because one of the things that like really, really catapulted my career was working at the cage. So when you're like, uh, I think it's the same terminology, any film school, uh, the cage is the place like where they hold all the equipment like so all the equipment rental uh we're in charge of that and then it, like basically troubleshooting so think of it like a it slash like uh, equipment rental 
So working there changed everything. Like that was the first job. That was the second job that I got because I went to school for uh, network engineering first and I was a help desk technician there. So that's where I get a lot of my technical skills from. But when I went to school for film, the first thing I did is got a job at the cage. And that was amazing because I had unlimited access to equipment. So, <coughs> excuse me. Too much talking just doesn't do good when you have COVID. Like, it just literally kills your throat. But during, um, so what would happen is, like, during, like, every weekend, I would just rent equipment. And uh, my boss was amazing, Mark, like, amazing dude. So, like, he would just, like, hook me up with whatever gear I needed. And I would just take it home, play with it all weekend long, and then bring it back. And then just rinse and repeat every single weekend and different cameras, different lights. And then I had a buddy who was like, uh, we were both like would nerd out on like lighting and cinematography. So we would just take the gear and like go behind Jewel Osco. Anybody who's from Chicago, you know what I'm talking about in California. Think of it like Albertsons or something like that. We'll go in the parking lot. We'll shoot like this, like really creepy scene. Like, you know, somebody's following this dude and it's like, it's through the, you know, parking lot, you know, by the cars and we're doing all that. Then we would bring it in, throw it in Final Cut 7, mess around with it, you know, a little, uh, uh, the color wheels, like, right, like create like our own orange and teal, absolutely horrible looks, but we would just play with it every weekend. And um, I just, again, couldn't agree more with like year zero, like what he's saying is that, you know, that is amazing like if you can get apprenticeship on those uh rental houses not to mention that the people that you're going to meet because there's going to be big people coming in to rent gear to like shoot an indie or an actual big production depending on which rental house you're working with <coughs> so definitely uh take that advice as well like that that's a great one bro when you're creating a look when do you know is the right time to stop Okay, so that's a good one. When you're creating a look, like when do you know when to stop? I mean, it just comes down to, again, practice, practice, practice. You have to, that's why I am so big on references. So a lot of people just go, oh, you know, as a professional colorist, I was never given references. I don't know what they're talking about. I, I haven't worked on a single project in life where I wasn't given some reference that, hey, make it look like this or that. So I never understand when people go like, oh, I've never given references. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, everybody has a look in mind. Like, I mean, if I'm working on something, I'm going to go, well, I'm picturing King's Landing from Game of Thrones. Like, I'm talking like that. And if somebody's not talking like that, they're not true filmmakers. So that said, one of the things that you can do um, to build that taste-making bud, if you will, is actually going on shotdeck.com downloading high quality images of your favorite movies or just do the random search and then pull those images in, bring it into Resolve. And then whatever you're working on, that is in the same world as like the look that you're trying to create. Don't do like a completely different shot. Like, you know, like, I mean, you have something shot in Switzerland, you know, while it was snowing there. And then you take something from like Marine from Game of Thrones and you're trying to mix the two. That's just not going to work. Be realistic with that. So you can take Winterfell and then you can try to create that look or beyond the wall and try to make that look with what you got, like, you know, when it was snowing in Germany, Switzerland, whatever have you. Then you can like start developing that taste bud. You can start developing that thing to be like, oh my God, okay, I see. I see. I can push it this far, 
but not that far. That was too far. I can pull it back, and then you'll have like weird moments, like where you're, where you'll just go, "Why am I not getting there? What am I missing?" And then all of a sudden, you'll do the most random thing. You'll just take the saturation knob, and you're gonna crank it back, and you go to like 0.44, and all of a sudden, boom, everything just falls into place, and you're gonna go, "Oh my God, this is how, like that. That's what was going on." That's what I was missing. So now you just got this new skill, you know, in your tool belt, right? That you can pull out next time you're working on a project for a client and they want a specific look and you just do that one thing that you would have never thought of. But just because you were trying to get that one-to-one match with the best looks, you know, out there, um, you develop that taste. And then now you got that skill. So this is how I would recommend you attack it. And then eventually... Like, yeah, you just figure it out. Eventually, like, you know, recently, I don't remember the last time I actually pulled up a reference. Like, most of the time, I'm just like, once I get in my flow, I'm just going and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and pushing and pushing and I'm going, ah, like, am I cracking it? And then sometimes I'll bring in an image that's really pushed that I admire, whether it's like Mad Max or something like that, and I'll just put it next to what I got going on. And it's kind of surprising how many times it would barely need anything to like get in that world just because I've practiced so much that when I was thinking to create a Mad Max look in my head, I just nailed it to the point where barely like a little cyan hue was off, but like everything else like was just boom, right on the money, like without even looking at the reference, but like, you know, years of practice to get to that level. Somebody asked like, are you down for collaborations? Absolutely. I mean, depending, depends on the project, but obviously you know, at Kazi and Co. at our company, we don't do like, you know, do this for a cup of coffee, do this for like credit. Like, you know, we're, we're, we don't work like that uh, because our schedule does get filled up. So like if you if you have a budget, if you got a project, absolutely link is going to be in the bio. Like I have a link tree and in there you can find like, you know, hire me and just click on that, fill out the form and we can go from there. How to know when we should invest in equipment, say monitors, panels and so on. So that's going to deter like the way i worked from the beginning was these were non-negotiables right like i can i can save money from eating out but i'm going to go get that $400 monitor on a $600 a month salary because that's just what's going to happen like it's it's a non-negotiable i need that for my career and that's how I live my life. And I know it gets funny when we talk like that because this is how we always do it, right? Like, I need that lens. I need that camera. I need this. I need that. And then we can also downsize too. I mean, just look at this, right? Like, I mean, I went from a $16,000 like C500 Mark II that you guys remember I had to this guy, right? So, I mean, this what is this? This is A7, A7 IV. So, I went to that and all my new videos that you guys are watching are being shot with it. And people are actually complimenting my videos way more than before. It's great because why? I got that bug out of my system where, babe, I need this because I have over 300,000 you know, subscribers on YouTube. Like I need to make legit videos. I'm a colorist. I can take a $2,500 camera and make it look like $16,000. And maybe I should do that. And that's what is going to make people buy my course and listen to me because they're going, he walks the walk. I'm not shooting with Alexa and Red and then telling you, 
hey, let me show you how to make your camera look good like your GH6. No, I'm shooting with a camera that is the same price as GH6 and in the same category. And then I'm making it look like where people are commenting. Somebody commented the other day and they were like, your background is fake. I'm like, all right, great. You know, so I'm, I'm making things look so 3D and and good that it almost looks fake. It's like so clean and pristine and it's shot on this camera, right? So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's, it's just, you have to invest in yourself. Um, just be realistic when you are doing that. Like if I were to give my 25 year old an advice, I would say, don't be stupid and spend thousands of dollars on things that just don't matter and you're using them as your crutch. Um, put that money in the bank so you don't have to take desperate projects because that's what happens, right? Like you exhaust your account and spend money on stupid stuff that you don't need necessarily. Um, you know, 1.4 lenses, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're videographers. We're not photographers. We don't need that shallow depth of field. It's not going to look that good anyways. So why are you spending $2,400 on a prime lens where you can buy a $300 50 1.8 and you will still have to put it at 2.8 or 4 to shoot to make it look normal. Ideally, you should be shooting at 4 or 5.6 to make it look like movies, you know? Um, and not everything is shot on that shallow like depth of field. Obviously, it depends on the story, but you get what I'm saying. So save that money, keep it in the bank, so then you don't have to play the desperate card where you're just like, I can't work on cool projects because I need money and I just have to do any and every job. Because if you have money, if you have the additional, say if you didn't buy the $2,400 lens, you bought the $300 lens, now you have $2,100 in your bank, which means you're good for one month. Well, now you can go on Instagram and hit up your favorite cinematographer. I'm not talking Roger Deakins, like somebody like in your realm, hit up that cinematographer and be like, hey, what can I do for you? I wanna work with you for free. Um, can you hook me up with something? Like just throw anything at me. I wanna do it for free and I wanna show you what I'm, what I'm capable of. And if you like what you see, we can talk money and we can talk about like our future together. And see how beautiful that is? And then that way, like, you know, you didn't make the stupid move, stupid financial move. You are good for a month, month and a half run runway. And then you can just work on that project, kick ass. And the next thing you know, that dude gets hooked up somewhere big. He's a creative director. He pulls you in. You'll never look back. Life has changed forever. You know, so those are those are the things like like I said, if I were to go back, I would I would advise myself to do that. Great question. Ricky asks, like, do you like Lumix log or Sony log? So I used to prefer Lumix Log over Sony Log um, because Lumix and, and Lumix stayed true to this day. It's one of the easiest log to grade. You you throw a Rec 709, their Rec 709 or the CST through Resolve and you do the proper conversion to Rec 709 and everything comes to life like that. And um, I do think that it's kind of aggressive. like. It's almost like, I mean, if you guys saw my latest video on like how to grade GH6 footage, um, you should actually watch it if you haven't, it's on my YouTube. But it's almost like I had to pull it back. I had to like pull back on the contrast, like, you know, peel the layers, like get, get back to a little bit loggy uh, image because it does too much. Um, it, it's almost like ready for like uh, run and gun events. And that's what their market is. So they made a camera and they made their secret sauce Rec. 709 conversion to be like, 
yo, shoot anything, come home, you don't need to know anything about color grading, slap a Rec. 709, and if your white balance was correct, and if your exposure was right, here you go, hit export, you're done, right? Sony is not like that at all. Um, Sony used to be crap with their color science, unless you talked Venice and like their Cineline cameras, their their log conversion was garbage. Like skin tones would look so sickly and horrible. And you have to do so much to get it in the ballpark. And if you weren't working with like a 10-bit Sony camera and it was only 8-bit, like you'll get the blotchiness in the skin. And it was just miserable. Um, but all of that changed with their new cameras. And I mean, come on. Like the A7 IV, Oh my God, like it, it's so hot, it's so hot. Like now their color science is so on point, I'm blown away. I'm like absolutely blown away. Like, I mean, you just bring it in. I mean, I, I did a video on FX30 um, with my dude, Jason. He hooked me up with the footage and that's on YouTube too. And if you watch that video, um, you're gonna see what I'm talking about. I didn't even have to touch the skin tones at all. His white balance was correct. And, and he didn't even do any anything crazy. He just set it to 5600, shot it, and then I brought it in Resolve. No balancing, nothing, and straight up, like when you see the skin indicator, the skin tones were perfect right in the middle. Everything looked perfect. So I personally feel like Sony is amazing for colorists, for people that know a little bit and what they want to do with it. Um, Lumix is perfect for people that do a lot of run and gun. If you do wedding videos, if you do corporate events, and if you uh, don't have the budget for color grading, and if you want to just like turn things around really quick, Lumix is great for that. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it. I still have so many more questions. So sorry if I didn't get to um, your question. I love you all. We're going to keep this going. This was a lot of fun. Let's fucking go 2023. Peace. And guys, thank you so much for sticking around till the end. Please leave a five-star review and make sure you're following this channel. I will see you in the next episode.